0: You're listening to a message from Highway Church, entitled, Living by Faith. Enjoy. Hallelujah. God is so good. We just want you to soak in His presence during our time together. That's why we love our worship services. It's a time to just come and get filled up, filled up with the fullness of God. Isn't that funny? My phone is ringing. You know what I'm going to do right now? I'm going to turn it on, do not disturb (laughs) It's a time when we like to get filled up with the fullness of God. We want to soak in his presence. You know, being full of the presence of God is, is the state that God has called us to live in. When you're full of his presence, discouragement can't get in, fear can't get in, worry can't have its way with you we want to be filled with his presence how do we become filled with his presence same thing what jesus told us to keep our mind stayed on the reality of what he's done for us to use our mouth to declare what he's done for us hallelujah father we thank you for this time together thank you lord for everyone who's watching for everyone who's listening Lord, we rejoice. We are so excited. We are so expectant of your activity in our lives, of your purpose being carried out no matter what in our lives. We're confident, Lord, that you have gone before us and made the crooked places straight. That you have burst through the, the roadblocks and hindrances that the enemy would have used to, to stop us. You have foiled, you have gone before us, and, and, and you've run interference for us with your angels. You've given them charge over our lives, you've given them instructions and battle plans to implement each day of our lives. We thank you, Lord, that your angels are, angels are fully employed. In our protection, fully employed in bringing to us your provision, fully employed in, in working in the midst of our circumstances, for our good, thank you, Father, for for being the host of the angel armies and directing them on our behalf. Hallelujah, and for this time together, holy spirit, we 're leaning our whole self on you. And we ask you to reveal more clearly Christ to us. That Lord, after this service is done, after our time together is done, we would have a greater understanding, a greater knowing of how much you love us, of how powerful your love for us is, of the the calling you have on our lives, of the riches of our inheritance in you and of the resurrection power of Christ that's working in and for us daily. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I love living life with God. Man, once once you've spent a day with Him, you'll never want to spend another day any other way. Once you've entered into a real, not a religious tradition relationship but a real relationship with God you'll never settle for anything less and one of the things that I enjoy each week is is listening to what the Holy Spirit would say to me do you do that do you listen to what the Holy Spirit would say to you I just had a Fred Rogers moment there you know, if you ever watch Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, he'd say, do you do that at home? <laughs> do you listen to the Holy Spirit at home? Yes, yes. yes we do, Mr. Rogers. Yes, yes we do. Yes. Right? We listen to the Holy Spirit at home. We listen to the Holy Spirit as we sleep. Even when our, our body is resting, our spirit's still listening. Right? We listen to the Holy Spirit when we're making coffee in the morning. Right? We listen to the Holy Spirit throughout our day. Well, I believe he's given me a word for you. Isn't that wonderful? He's given me a word that will strengthen you today. That will pick you up and bring you into a new level of strength and understanding in Him. I'm excited about that. The title of this message is called Living by Faith. Okay? Living by Faith. All of us, without exception, no matter where we're from, No matter what our life experience has been, all of us were made by God in his image to be his children and to live by faith. What do I mean by that? All of us were made to have a personal knowledge of the goodness of God. And to simply respond to him when he speaks to us. That when he speaks to us, we confidently act upon what he's just said. We don't need to know all the details. We don't necessarily need to know the why or the how. All that we need to know because we know he's good is what he's asked of us or what he's said to us. And then we act on it. That's what living by faith is. Living by faith doesn't mean I have all the answers. It doesn't mean I understand all the details and ins and outs of every situation. It simply means I know what God has said to me. And I'm acting on that. Living by faith. The life that every human being. That your aunt and uncle. That your cousins. That your spouse, that your children, that you yourself, the life that every human being is deep down way inside longing for is a life that can only be unveiled by faith. Everyone, whether they realize it or not, is longing to live by faith, to hear God's voice and to act on it. (laughs) because we're made this way, if we put our faith in anyone else or anything else other than God, we will miss out on the destiny he's prepared for us. We will miss out on the divine pleasure of intimacy with him. We will miss out on the richness of a daily relationship with the one who made us. God made us to hear his voice and to act upon what he said. It's not strange. It's not spooky. It's a relationship with him. Now, I understand that there are topics in the Bible that the Bible speaks of that we've heard a lot about. Faith is one of them. Peace is another one. Love is another one. And what we like to do at Highway Church, and I happen to have a brand new can here of, uh, of de-religification spray. And, and I'm going to pop the lid off this thing. Okay? And this actually it works through the Internet. So I'm going to spray the camera with with my new can of dereligification spray. Okay, so, so just bear with me. Okay, good. What am I talking about? Sometimes you may have heard something, a word, whether it's love, joy, peace, faith, from the scriptures, but we've religified it. In other words, our understanding of what it is isn't quite God's understanding of it, okay? Sometimes we take something wonderful from the Word of God and we turn it into a work. Without intending to, we turn it into something that becomes heavy, something that, that, that is difficult to carry. Something that was meant to strengthen us actually becomes something that causes us to stumble. But it's not the topic that the problem, that, that's the problem, it's our understanding of it. So we're going to talk about faith a little bit, okay? It's, it's so simple, you'll be amazed at the simplicity of it, all right? Let's talk about faith, because we're talking about living by faith. So I'm going to ask you to please remove your religious headphones Take them off, put them on your coffee table, take off your religious goggles. I'm about to say some, say some things, but I don't want you to hear what you think I said. I want you to hear what I'm going to say, okay? Here's the first statement. Are we out, Everybody awake? Check, check if there's anyone else in your room. Make sure they're awake. Make sure that they've got a box of Cheez-Its or something to munch on while we talk. Keep away faith is not never has been independent. What I just said is faith is not independent. now now hold on a minute let me under, let me clarify I love independence. I am thankful for our nation that our nation was founded upon uh, the, the very principles that each of us have inalienable rights given by God. In the scriptures, we were never meant to be ruled over by an earthly king. Thank God that our forefathers realized that and decided to have elected officials instead of kings. God was meant to be our king. So I have all four independence in that sense. And I will say this to you, if your faith is in God, It will make you independent of the world system. That's not what I'm talking about. When I said faith is not independent, I mean this. When when Bible faith, when faith is active, it is never only one person involved. It is never alone. It is never isolated. Follow with me. In other words, faith is always placed in someone or something. Faith is always dependent on someone or something other than myself or maybe in myself. Okay? In other words, faith has got to be placed in someone or something. Faith is not a private commodity that is separate from all of us that we have to figure out how to obtain. Faith is not something that exists by itself. Hear what I'm saying. Please don't turn me off. Sometimes we have to plow through wrong understandings and it takes time. I can feel it. Okay? Faith is so simple. It's unconscious. Faith is not this external all by itself entity that we have to somehow figure uh, out a way to obtain it. Okay? Faith in no way is difficult to obtain. In no way is faith difficult to obtain. We were made to live by it. It's in all of us. We're made in the image of God. He put faith in all of us. Faith is as natural as breathing. Give you a natural example, a simple example. Let's say that my car that I've owned for the last five years has been very reliable. That that every time I go out to start my car in the morning, and it gets me where I want to go. Because of the reliability of that car, I've developed faith in that car. Because I know that when I turn the key, it's going to start. I didn't try and develop faith in that car. Faith grew on the inside of me because of the performance of that car. Now, if that car was not reliable, and I had a lot of issues with it, when I went out in the morning, I wouldn't have faith in that car. I might hope. <laughs> I'd be hoping that it'd start, but I couldn't be confident in it. And I'd have to take other precautions for backup plans, because I'm not sure if this car is going to start. All right, So faith is very natural, when the object of our faith is reliable, faith is not conscious of itself. Are we still awake? Faith is not conscious of itself, but of the one it's focusing on. Okay? understand that I'll give you a a simple example when our children were growing up from the time they were born until present day we have done all that we know how to care for them because of the way we've treated them from the time they were little they are sure and certain that what we have belongs to them. They're sure and certain that if they're in our house, they can eat whatever they want to. They, they are not conscious of their faith when they open the refrigerator door. They're not thinking, I need faith to open this door. That would be weird. Okay? Religion and, and man's reasoning turns faith into something difficult and unnatural. It is the most natural thing when love is present. Our children exercised faith in us every day of their lives and they never mentioned faith to us Or they never talked about having faith in us. Isn't this nice and this simple? They never got up in the morning and said, today, Dad, I have faith in you. Today, I believe you're going to feed me. Why did they never say that? Because they knew me. They knew their parents. They, They saw how we behaved. They experienced our provision over and over again. That's what faith is. It's unconscious. It's not conscious of itself. It's conscious of the one it's focusing on. Okay? Faith is an expectation for good. Fear, on the other hand, is an expectation for bad. Pretty simple, right? Now listen to what I'm about to say. Faith is produced or awakened in us when we give significance to good news. So when we hear good news and we deem the good news we're hearing as significance, faith comes. As significant, faith comes. In the same way, fear is produced in us when we give significance to bad news. So when we hear bad news and we esteem it as significant, fear comes. Faith comes when we hear good news and we esteem it as significant. Fear comes when we hear bad news and esteem it as significant. We're on the same page. We're taking our time. So because we're made in the image of God, he's given us a free will. And we can choose to put our faith in anyone or in anything that we want. So, who we put our faith in, what news we choose to esteem, is totally up to us. God has no say in the matter unless we give him a say. But you are the one who chooses to esteem what you hear or to disregard what you hear, right? That's good news. You were made to hear what God says and to esteem it above everything else. That's living by faith. So that if what God says to you, uh, what God has spoken to you is different than the news man is speaking to you, you esteem what God says above man and you keep moving forward. If, on the other hand, you hear something that man says that contradicts what God has said to you, and you esteem what man says above what God has said, you become afraid. And you you either stop or you back up. Now, let's talk about Bible faith. Bible faith. When you see the word, the English word faith, we know the Bible is written in Hebrew and Greek, but we don't, I don't know Hebrew or Greek. I read the English. So when when I see the English word faith in the Bible, it is always exhorting us to place our faith in God. Alright? It's important to understand. Because it doesn't always say faith in God. Sometimes it just says faith. But it is implied and it is given when you understand anytime the Bible talks of faith, it is an exhortation to place your faith in God himself. Okay? Now, what do we mean by placing your faith in God? Believing... That he is who he says he is. Believing that he is good and his mercy endures forever. Do you want to hear something funny? Nowhere in the Bible does God try and prove that he exists. It's not in there. Why? Faith is not believing that God exists. Why? Because nothing could be more obvious. Right? Romans 1.20 says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, have been made obvious by that which has been made, so that men are without excuse. So understand, when when the Bible talks of faith, it's not asking you to believe God exists. It's asking you to believe that He is who He says He is and that He's done what He said He would do. Okay? Very important to understand that. Now, why is it that Bible faith is not believing that God exists, but believing that He is good? Well, as I said, the existence of God is obvious. For example, if I came over to your home, and it's the first time I had been there, I I would look at your home, and I may have questions about your home, and I may ask you some things about, you know, where did you uh, get your uh, ideas for your decor, or, or where did you get that TV mount, or... You know where did you where did you get your flooring or uh, or the design of your living room? There's a lot of things I could ask you about your home, but one thing I would never ask you is: Did someone build your home? Did someone design your home? Why would I not ask you that question? Because there's never been a home that hasn't been built by a builder. There's never been a design that hasn't been designed by a designer. Okay, so when when you look at yourself in the mirror, you are the greatest evidence for God there ever could be. So this is why Bible faith is not about the existence of God, but it's about knowing that God is good. Why do I need faith to know that God is good? Isn't that obvious? No. Glad you asked. Why is the goodness of God not obvious to us? Because Satan is the God of this world. Satan has brought destruction upon the earth by stealing authority over this earth from Adam. And Satan is doing everything he can to try and keep us from knowing realizing, and experiencing how good God is. Very important you understand that. That's why the Bible exhorts us to believe in who God says he is, not what the world says about him. To believe in who he is and and not what man says about him. Bible faith is knowing that God is good. Every time you see that word in the Bible, it is an exhortation for you to know that he's good. To become confident, to become sure, to become certain that he's for you and that he's 100% good. Alright? So let's look at just a few. If we had time, we could literally spend all day and all night... Going through scriptures that exhort us to know that God is good. I'm going to give you just a few. Psalm 34 verse 8. Excellent example of what I'm talking about. Psalm 34 verse 8 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. We have to do that. And blessed, happy, prosperous, successful is the man who takes refuge in him. Why do we have to be exhorted to do that? Because we're living in a fallen world and Satan is the God of this world. He's trying to blind us from the goodness of God. We're not going to let him do it, are we? One of his greatest tools is religious tradition. Man's religion. So you've got to be willing to take God at His word, even if people uh, decide to reject you as a result of it. I'm willing, are you? I'd rather have God than anything else or anyone else in this world. Taste and see that the Lord, how do we taste and see that He's good? We believe what He says. We take him at his word. Psalm 119 verse 68 says this. You are good. It's talking directly to God. The psalmist is talking directly to him. And it's for our exhortation to know that he's good. You are good and what you do is good. Isn't this simple? See, faith is is so simple and so natural when the object of your faith is good. You are good and what you do is good. Teach me your decrees. Why? So that I can know how good you are. So that I can personally have an unshakable confidence in my life no matter what's going on around me. Psalm 145, 9 says this The Lord is good to all. To all? Yeah. To all, regardless of their behavior. The Lord is good to all, the Bible says. Amen and has compassion on all. Wow. I thought it was dependent upon my behavior. No, the goodness of God is dependent upon His nature, not my behavior. James 1, 17 says this, every G-O-O-D, good gift, and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the father of lights with whom is no variableness in other words he's always good he always has been good he always will be good neither shadow of turning So the Bible tells us that if something is good, it comes from our Father. If something is bad, it doesn't. Isn't it simple? (laughs) It really is. It's as simple as as A, B, C, isn't it? How difficult religion has made it. How difficult. We're going to change that. By just taking God at his word. See, faith is automatic when you know how good he is. Faith is simply a response to the goodness of God. (laughs) So as New Testament people, what do I mean by that? People who are on the other side of the resurrection. That's you and me because we're in 2020 that people who are living on the other side of Jesus' resurrection and ascension, that people who are living after the Holy Spirit has descended and baptized in fire. For us as New Testament people, we realize that the Bible is exhorting us to put our faith in Christ. Now God, obviously, Christ is God, Jesus is God, but God can be a generic term, the way that people use it. We are exhorted, those who live after Jesus has risen from the dead, that's everybody living today, right? We're exhorted specifically to put our faith in Jesus Christ. Why does the New Testament exhort us to put our faith in Jesus Christ? Because Jesus Christ is the person of God. He is the personification of the goodness of God. Hebrews 1.3 says that Jesus is the exact representation of God's nature. Stay with me. That's why we're exhorted to put our faith in him. He is the living personification of the love and goodness of God. Jesus, when he came into the earth, when he began his ministry at the age of about 30, he clearly revealed to us the goodness of God and made it easy for anyone to have faith. Easy, easy peasy, okay? Let's look at what the goodness of God says to us to exhort us to put our trust in him. Let's go to Matthew chapter seven and let's start at verse seven. Let's listen to the simplicity of faith in Christ. And I I, want to emphasize that this is Jesus talking. And the reason that I emphasize this is because I've heard many over the years, ministers as well, that will get frustrated when we make it this simple. But we make it this simple because Jesus made it this simple. Okay? Here's the goodness of God communicating verbally to you. Ask in verse 7, Matthew 7 verse 7. Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened to you. I don't see anything difficult there. I want you to see the contrast between the person of God and man's religion. This might hurt a little bit, but it's a good kind of hurt. Because you don't need man's religion. You need the simplicity of Jesus. The simplicity of faith in him. Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. There's no question mark here. There's no wondering if he's going to hear me. If he's going to respond to me. Knock and it shall be open to you. For everyone that asks, receives. Wow. And he that seeks finds. And to him that knocks, it shall be opened. Wow. Now listen to this simple. Jesus makes a comparison that I made earlier about my children. Okay. Look at verse 9 of Matthew chapter 7. Or what man is there of you whom if his son, his child, would ask for bread, would give him a stone? There's not one of us. Right? Of course not. Or... If or if the child asks for a fish, would give him a serpent, of course not. Why wouldn't we do that? We know what good is, right? It's built into us. So, if my child comes to me and said, Dad, I'm hungry, I don't have to say, Gee, should I give him a rattlesnake or should I give him? Uh, a, a turkey sandwich hmm there's no question the thought never even enters my mind right because we're made in the image of God it's very is that simple I don't know how to make it any simpler than what Jesus said don't move away from the simplicity of what he says because someone uh, who's a minister or has a degree or has a large following teaches you something else. Stay with Jesus. Don't move away from what he says just because your family might reject you or your friends might reject you. Stay with the simplicity of what Jesus says. Verse 11. If you then, being evil, in other words, we've all fallen short of the glory of God, if you, in your imperfect state, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more? Not how much less. God's more than us, right? He's perfect love. He never has a bad day. He never has to uh, change because he's perfect. How much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? Amen. One of the best Bible study questions you can ask yourself, and I say this regularly at Highway Church... When you're reading through the Bible and you come to a conclusion about God or the Bible seems to be saying something about God that is not good, I want you to ask yourself the question, would a good father do that? If the answer is no, there's something we're misunderstanding. If you hear someone saying that God brought COVID-19 into the earth to teach us something. Ask yourself a question. Would a good father do that? Never. Never. Isn't it easy? It's a great question to ask yourself to to alleviate confusion very quickly. Now, now, the strength of your faith the results of your faith are directly related to your personal knowledge of God's goodness. How potent your faith is is directly related to your personal knowledge of God's goodness. So if you're unsure. Of His goodness, if you're unsure of His nature, your faith is not going to be effective. That's when people pray a prayer about healing and they'll say, Lord, if it be your will, then then we ask you to heal this person. That is an ineffective prayer, that's an ignorant prayer. Why? Because God has revealed to us His goodness through the ministry of His Son. That it is His will to heal. Don't get mad at me. We're looking at Jesus, not religious tradition. Okay? So, your knowledge of His goodness will make your faith powerful your personal confidence in who he is will produce great results in your life. Let me say it this way. Your faith is only as great as the one it's placed in. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1. Your faith is only as great as the one it's placed in. Now the Bible gives us a definition of faith and here's an example of what I said earlier that when the Bible, when we see faith in the Bible, it is a given, it is exhorting us to put our faith in Christ. Okay? Let's read Hebrews 11 verse 1 and then verse 6. It says, Now faith in Christ, Okay, Confidence in his goodness is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. So faith in the goodness of God and the person of Christ makes us sure of what we hope for. Why? Because he wants to make your hopes a reality. He wants to give you the desires of your heart. Ask and it will be given. Keep it simple, right? And certain of what we do not see. So my faith needs to be placed in someone who's greater than what I hope for and greater than what, than what I see. I need to have faith in someone who's greater than my dreams, Who's greater than my aspirations? Who's greater than my hopes? Who is that? Jesus. So when my faith is in Jesus Christ, who's greater than my hopes, my hopes become a reality. Why? Because he is for me and he goes to work on my behalf to take what once was a hope and make it real. that's what he does he's the one who makes hope a reality and because he's so good and he loves you so much your hope will turn into confidence and and, and assuredness and certainty if you don't know how good he is you will stay in the realm of hope and eventually you'll be crossing your fingers instead of believing Right, you'll put your confidence in horoscopes, in tarot cards, and and what the, the the position of the stars, and the the calendar, and anything else. But when your confidence is in the goodness of God, all of that stuff goes away and means nothing to you, and you become a person who's sure and certain that God loves me, and that He is faithful to do what He's promised and to fulfill His word in my life. Now, the King James says it this way, Now faith in Christ, in the goodness of God, is the substance of things hoped for. Being confident in his goodness means I know that he's going to take what I'm hoping for and he's going to put substance to it and bring it into my life. I have no doubt about that. Why? Because I know how good he is. It's the evidence of things not seen. God's love for me is the evidence of his promises being fulfilled in my life. The goodness of God is all the evidence I need to follow Him. You see, this is what we talked about last week the contrast between the knowledge of good and evil and living by faith. I don't need to know everything. I don't need to know the ins and the outs and the whys and the whos and the 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 wheres and the when. Because I know that God is good, all I need to know personally is what He said to me, and I'm going to do that. That simple. Reality will will automatically remove stress from your life. I don't need to know what other people think of me. I don't need to know what people are going to say about me. I don't need to know what the stock market's doing. I don't need to know what the predictions and models are of of, of my future based on man's reasoning. All I need to know is how good he is and what he said to me and I act upon that, living by faith. Now look at verse 6 in Hebrews 11. It says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. Without faith in Christ, without being sure of his goodness, it's impossible to please him, for he that comes to God must believe that he is, that's what the Greek says, Some English translations write in that he exists. That's just stupid. (laughs) Knowing God exists is not going to help you. Knowing God is who he said he is will change your life. So he who comes to him must know that he is who he says he is. That he has done what he said he's done. That he is perfect love. That he is for me. That he is good all the time. That his mercy endures forever. That his loving kindnesses are brand new every morning when I wake up. Must believe this and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So if, if by chance we woke up tomorrow morning and we wanted to have breakfast and my children all of a sudden decided that I wasn't going to allow them to eat, I would be concerned. See, who comes to him and doesn't know these things... He can't be pleased. He can't have pleasure in our relationship. I take pleasure in my relationship with children, with my children, when they know I love them. I just celebrated my birthday not too long ago here, this past uh, week. And you know, it was the first time in my life, really, where I kind of had a, <laughs> I guess, a revelation moment about my kids. I have never really, up to this point in my life, When I thought of having children, I always thought of giving to them. Of giving myself, my love, everything I have to them. But for the first time at this birthday, as I sat around the table and I just looked at the smiles on their faces and we enjoyed a a meal together, I was actually receiving love from them. And boy, it was nice. That's the relationship God wants with you, that you know how much he loves you, so they can be reciprocal, so there can be this transfer of his presence in your life and those around you. Now, if you find yourself struggling, if this concept of living by faith is foreign to you, if you find yourself challenged to trust God, Don't get down on yourself. Just ask yourself this question. What have I been listening to? And you'll find the very answer to why it's a struggle for you. Whose words have you been esteeming in your life? If you've been esteeming your own words, because no one listens to you more than you do, and if we're not careful, the things we say about ourselves can do damage to ourselves. You are the greatest preacher in your life. Okay? So if you're having challenges, if, you, if, you, if doubt and unbelief are plaguing you and fear and anxiety, just ask yourself, don't get down on yourself. Don't get down. Don't get discouraged. Just, just do an inventory. Say, what words have I been listening to? that's all and you'll get answers and then when you when you realize the words that you've been listening to aren't healthy God words replace them with what he says about you and watch what will happen faith will become automatic in your life it won't be an effort it won't be a struggle It won't be a work. It won't be something you're trying to to obtain. It will simply be a response to his love for you. Romans 10, 17 says it this way. So faith in the goodness of God, or in Christ, comes from hearing the good news about Christ. Isn't that simple? That's the New Living Translation. Faith in the goodness of God comes from hearing words about the goodness of God. Isn't that simple? Makes sense, doesn't it? Sure it does. The Amplified says this, faith in Christ comes by hearing what is told, what is heard by the preaching of the message that came from the lips of Christ. That's why at Highway you're going to hear a lot of Jesus here. Do you know a good portion of the body of Christ thinks that that talking about Jesus is, is shallow or immature, that we have to move on to the deeper things of the New Testament? Can I say this to you? Everything you could ever want to know about God is found in Jesus. The fullness of God dwells in Jesus. How deep do you want to go? Jesus is as deep as you could ever go. The message says it this way. The point is, before you trust, you have to listen. See, many are trying to have faith, but they haven't heard the good news about God's love for them. And they're not hearing it at the church they go to. I would recommend changing churches in a hurry. I've got to go to a house of worship that is full of the good words, the good news, the goodness of God. I've got to hear goodness of God words every time I come to my church. I can't waste time with man's speculations and quote-unquote deep reasonings. I need simple, fresh, hot Jesus. Don't fool yourself. You need him too. Before you trust, you have to listen to Jesus. How can I trust him if I'm not listening to what he says about himself? Unless Christ's word is preached, There's nothing to listen to. (laughs) I like that. Now, yeah, we've got time. I'm going to do this. In Romans chapter 1, speaking of good words, good news about Christ, the Apostle Paul says this in the New Living Translation, verses 16. And verse 17, Romans chapter 1, he says, I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. You shouldn't be either. I'm not ashamed of it. It is the power of God at work, saving, healing, delivering everyone who believes. Verse 17, this good news Tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scripture says, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. The Young's literal translation says, and the righteous one by faith shall live. In other words, the life you're looking for begins when you realize how good God is. The life that you've been dreaming of, that your heart has been longing for, begins when you gain the knowledge of His love for you, of His goodness, of what He's done for you. Then you begin to move forward confident in Him. Knowing that he will never forsake you, that he will never leave you, that he will never harm you, that everything that he has for you is good. Let's finish it up in Matthew chapter 8. Let's go to Matthew chapter 8 and we'll finish up this message. And I'm having a feeling we're going to continue this next week. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 8. So Bible faith is confidence in the goodness of God. Bible faith is being sure and certain that He is for me and that He loves me. Bible faith is automatic when I give the proper significance to the words that the scriptures teach us about who God is. And what he's done for me. Okay? Now, you'll hear me mention and and declare a number of them. Like John 10.10. It's probably one of the most uh, spoken of scriptures here at Highway. Why is that? Because it builds our faith. It awakens faith in us. It's Jesus declaring his nature to us. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, Jesus said. That's not God's nature. That's Satan's nature and anyone that follows him. But I came, the person, the personification of God's goodness, I came that you might have life to the full till it overflows, more and better life than you ever dreamed of. I came so that your hopes could materialize and become real. There's a number of scriptures, Romans 8, 1 and 2, chapter 8, verses 1 and 2, say that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You'll hear that scripture a lot on highway. Why? It produces faith. It awakens faith in us. What? There's no condemnation for me anymore? Verse 2, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. That, that changes everything. Verse 31 and 32 in the same chapter. What shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him gladly, graciously, freely give us all things? Woo! Confidence is growing. You meditate on these scriptures and watch what happens to your confidence. Watch how fear loses its hold on you. Matthew eight seventeen, Himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Isaiah 26, 3. You will guard him and keep him in perfect and constant peace whose mind is stayed on you. Now, in the New Testament, in the ministry of Jesus, we see two people only two. That Jesus that received the highest praise from Jesus for their confidence in him. Can we do this and then we'll be done? Okay? And I'm going I'm to be brief here and we'll continue next week. Two people. One of them is the centurion in Matthew chapter 8. And the other is the woman of Canaan in Matthew chapter 15. Now, what did they have in common? Why was it that these two people, and only these two people, (laughs) received such high praise from Jesus? The one thing, now you had one who was a centurion, a military man, and you had one who was was a, a homemaker, a mom, that had never been in the military. And in that day, women were not esteemed like they should be, Women were not considered equal with men. So you had people who by by the world would be very different, but they both had an astounding faith in Jesus. What was the common denominator between the two of them? Neither one of them were under the law, were in the Mosaic Covenant. What does that mean? Neither one of them had to deal with condemnation. That's huge. Jesus remarked that even God's own people didn't have the faith that that these people had. Why? Because of condemnation. The law of sin and death. This centurion and this woman came to God knowing how good he is. In fact, they knew they didn't deserve what they were asking of him. But they knew he'd do it anyway because he's so good. (laughs) I think we're out of time. (laughs) And I know if I get going in Matthew chapter 8, we're going to go for a little while longer. We're going to continue here, all right, in our next message. But this was a good foundation. So I want you to to review the scriptures that we've gone over. Write them down. Review them. God wants you to make your decisions. He wants you to live your daily life fully confident that he's for you and that he's good all the time. Okay? He wants you to live by faith. To simply take him at his word to act on what he said and never look back. We're going to continue here next week. Jennifer, come on up here. Let's pray. you have something you want to share, sweetie? Yeah, I do. Go ahead.
1: While Joseph was ministering this word, I just kept thinking of a person in the scripture that might fit you and you might relate with this person. It's a person who moved from doubting to believing, mm. from doubt to faith. Um, you know, uh, I was looking this week at what happened after the resurrection, mm. and it was powerful. There was an occasion where Jesus came right through the walls of a room, and His new glorified body just didn't use the door. Hello. No door necessary. Just walked through the walls, and He came amongst the disciples who were waiting for Him. And there He told them about the good things that were to come. And the authority that they now had as a result of him um, being raised from the dead, he said, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. Great, great gathering of believers. But guess what? There was a person missing. One of them didn't show up that day. And he didn't have the, um, didn't have the opportunity like all the others had to hear what Jesus had said. They everybody else saw him. Everybody else saw him walk through the walls. Everybody else heard the amazing, life-giving words that he gave. But this guy wasn't there that day. He was absent. And he didn't hear. He didn't get to see. He didn't get to know um, what was shared. But eight days later, Jesus returned. And that time, this gentleman was there. He didn't miss it this time. But before that day, everybody was telling him, saying, listen, we saw him. He's alive. We saw him. And you know what this gentleman said? He said, I'm not going to believe it. I just won't. I refuse to believe unless I see for myself. Well, eight days later, and you might know who it is now. It's Thomas, who's known as Doubting Thomas, but that wasn't the end of him. He didn't end doubting. He saw Jesus for himself, and I just want to read this to you. You might relate with this. Maybe you are like Thomas, that you never heard this before, that you missed out on the good news of what Jesus has done. You weren't in the room. (laughs) You've never seen it. You've never heard the good things that Jesus has said, but here's what Jesus did for Thomas. He said, eight days later, Thomas and all the others were in the house together. He made it this time. And even though all the doors were locked, Jesus suddenly stood before them and he said, peace to you. He said, and then looking into Thomas' eyes, he said, Put your finger here in my wound. Put it in my wounded side. Put your hand in my wounded side. And see for yourself. Oh, hallelujah. And then he said, Thomas, don't give in to your doubts any longer. Just believe. And verse 28 said, of Thomas... Then the word spilled out of his heart. You are my Lord and you are my God. So just like Joseph ministered today, when you see the goodness of God, see for yourself, yeah. your heart will just spill out. Yes. Full of faith. Absolutely. You might be feeling like Thomas, that you missed the meeting. You missed the gathering. You missed seeing Jesus. Maybe you've never heard the gospel. Maybe you never knew what Jesus has done for you in dying on the cross, Hallelujah. being buried, and then being raised again. Maybe you never knew it was for you that he did that. But Jesus is asking you today, don't give in to your doubt any longer.
0: Hallelujah.
1: Don't stay in the realm of reason. Don't try and figure it out. Just see Jesus for yourself today. See him for yourself hear what he said see for yourself and don't give in to doubt any longer just believe and jesus said you know now that you see me you believe but there are those who have never seen me with their eyes but have believed in me with their hearts and they will be blessed even more for having not seen Hallelujah. That's you and me today. Yes. (laughs) Thomas missed the room. Jesus was there. But you know what? Jesus has gone on to the Father and is seated at the right hand with the Father. But we have the opportunity to be blessed even more than Thomas today by believing in him. So I just want to encourage you today. If you're hearing this, you can just see for yourself the goodness of God, how much he loves you. And don't give in to doubt anymore, any longer. Just believe.
0: yeah.